to. Okay, listen, we're gonna tell you the whole thing. You won't get its live reaction because it just happened three seconds before we turned on the it. camera. I can pretend that I, this is my first time okay, hearing it. Okay, but so yesterday we went grocery shopping because I I didn't I wanted I had work and I was gonna have to go grocery shopping late and I can go grocery shopping by myself, but it's not the safest as a woman. Yeah. In and, so, and where? They know where we are. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Bleep it out. <laughs> it's not the safest place. Um, sorry. It's not safe for women to walk around, especially in a urban area. And urban on area. an undisclosed urban. Urban. Urban's the right word. Yeah, urban. But it's an urban. I said uh, an urban. You said a urban. An urban area. Undisclosed urban area. Anyway, so I asked them to go grocery shopping with me. And then by the time we got back to where our campus, where we live, he needed to get his groceries out of the, the trunk of my car. And so I let him get out, but then completely forgot that like he needed to get the groceries out of the trunk of my car. So I kept driving and then he thought it was a bit. And so we just kept it that way. And Josh was going to try and like explain it. But I was like, no, no, no. It's funnier if you just leave it, if he thinks that I did it on purpose, because if I didn't do it on purpose. It makes me look stupid. <laughs> I don't think it makes you look that stupid because it's something that I would do. And I can't think of myself as that stupid because otherwise, oh God, the bar's already so low. Any lower, there'd be some problems. <laughs> no, but I needed you to think that it was that I did a bit, that I did a funny. It wasn't just me being stupid. <laughs> So that's what happened. And because I had to explain that to him, I ripped off all my nails. I only have my thumbs left. <laughs> but those are the most important ones. Those are the ones you get to jam into people when they yeah, make Yeah, you know, being a woman in an undisclosed urban area, you have <laughs> to be able to gouge someone's eye out yeah, real easily. Yeah, you I mean, if you don't have that going for you, honestly, you should be living in rural areas. Undisclo undisclosed rural oh, th areas. Thank you. That was too specific. I'm so sorry. I mean, how are, you're gonna <laughs> let them know where we are? It's like you just blurted out the city that we were in. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a second to pick up. Oh. <laughs> the bits they're flying. You can't even catch them. <laughs> 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 this is media for the intellectually impoverished. I'm Taylor. I'm Randy. And this is the podcast that enriches your mediocre life. I had a whole cold open planned. Like I had an idea. I had a great yeah, idea. He wanted to talk about the games on his computer. Yeah, but it would have been a funny which, thing. Which one would you have rather listened to? <laughs> it was going to be funny because I blew way too much money on it, and you could have been f laughing at my misfortune. Oh yeah, let's run that back. Let's go ahead and do it again. Uh, <laughs> Okay, well, if you insist, uh -huh. um, so I was I was on my new computer. I just want you to feel the energy in the room. Did you feel that? Did you feel that palp that it was? Anyways, go ahead. I don't think I. Would. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. I genuinely. How much money did you spend on your games? I genuinely want to know. Okay, well, let me preface this by there was a sale, but I bought it. Okay. I bought like because I. Okay, so I own Kingdom Hearts on the PlayStation Three. Um, it's my favorite game ever. And then when I got a PS4 that was not backwards compatible, I wanted to play Kingdom Hearts again. So I had to get Kingdom Hearts 
again. So I bought all of the Kingdom Hearts games again. Um, and now that I have a computer that I can potentially use to play modded versions of Kingdom Hearts, I bought all of the Kingdom Hearts games again. As well as the Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrated because we've been doing that all the time. Whenever one of us insults someone, we start ooh ooh, but not even like good insults. No, like Like, shitty (laughs) insults, and that's what makes the worse the insult is, the funnier it is when we go ooh. (laughs) Can I ask you a question? Late. Ask you a question? No. Okay. No, you see, that's look, let me explain comedy to you. So when I can't do it, it's no. Too go late. on. No, please, go on. Please, go on. I, I take it back. <laughs> I, back. I cannot explain comedy. <laughs> I'm not comedian. <laughs> I'm a peasant girl. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Randy? It sounded like you had something else that you wanted. To that talk was what about. I was going to ask. Oh, okay, great. That, I was going to ask you that for question. Bringing us back on on yeah. topic. Uh, that's you know, I I think out of the two of us, I'm the most on topic between us, and I think the records will state that. I mean, I can't argue with that. Yeah, that was the perfect time. Anyways, I'm not bringing a bit from the last episode. That was last episode, guys. I know you heard it. I know you felt it. Anyways. Today we are talking about character development. What a great segue. I've developed since the last episode. Oh, it's almost like. Nope. These are weekly. We're not going to. What do you mean? Were you going to go with a different bit? I don't know what the bit was going to be. Oh, I was making mind. it up as I went along. Maybe if you would have looked at the script. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're talking about character development today. And like last week we talked about, or I briefly brought up Game of Thrones. I uh, want to talk about Game of Thrones, but I will monopolize the conversation like I do with every episode. <laughs> I'm still... <laughs> keep going, keep going. You know, like I got a I whole do... script to get through. He's on, we're on one bar. You got to change the, uh, uh, the camera. Uh... I can't pull off my last nail. I want to. Anyways, we're talking about uh, character development. Yes. And I'm going to steamroll this conversation like I do in all episodes, right? Because that's what people do. They say, Randy, you know, you steamroll Taylor too much. You need to stop doing that. That's what I heard. In fact, I heard that from so many people that I started steamrolling again. Exactly. No. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so I'm going to let Taylor take the lead or like he can start and then I'll come in and do yeah. what I always do in steamroll. You guys, they get it. They know. Great. They've so seen it. I have um, some questions here. Let me pull up the script. Oh, questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> the script bit is still, <laughs> still good. Is that last episode? That was this episode episode? and last episode. That's a callback to last episode. Oh, that's so good. I am on the... On the point. Um, I was going to say on the roll, but that's not how... I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing that was in the script. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the correct notes. That is the correct notes. Look at all these questions. One. There's a whopping one. 
Um, no, so my questions are, um, so how do you, uh, first off, how do you- Wow, well, just keep going. How do you develop a character? Like, what does that actually mean? What does that entail? Um, and then two, what are some examples that you can give of well-developed characters? Um, three, is there space for non-developed characters? And four, um, what are some tips and tricks for developing a character in story? I didn't want to answer any of those. I just wanted to talk about Game of Thrones. Game of what? Oh, shit. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I'm sorry, guys. I, I I threw a title out there that you did not know what I was talking yeah. about. I'm sorry. I've corrected myself. It is Game of Thrones. Game of just, Thrones. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Man, I don't know. You're just going to pose questions and have me answer them? Or are you going to talk about your thing? Didn't you have a thing? But that's what you always do is you pose questions to me and then I answer them. I wanted to try posing questions to you about something that you're good at. Jesus. Okay. What was your first question? I don't remember. God damn it. <laughs> no, um, what is character development? Uh, and No, what is don't it? keep going. That one question at a time. Or did those two questions they have to went, do? They okay. kind of went together. Okay. So it was, what God, is character sorry. development and what does it entail? Okay. So character development is uh, shocking. Look, you're going to, it's going to be absolutely shocking. Are you um, ready for this? I'm not actually. In fact, you should stop and we should uh, end the episode here. So it's when a character, you're not going to believe this, develops. Holy shit, shit. Is, that in the, is that in the script? <laughs> oh my God, it is. So it's when you have one character with a very specific archetype and very specific nuances to them who then changes over the course of a show or over the course of a movie. I typically, I mean, you can see it with any kind of content. I mean, even like it within a minute content, if you do it really well, you can see a character develop from one point to the other. But you can really see it in television shows because those take place over years and years. And so we've talked about it a bit before. I can't, I don't know if we've actually talked about character development. I know that we've, talked about I've talked about friends and big bang theory and how those characters developed. I don't know if that was the title of the episode and if that's what we're doing again. Who cares? I care greatly. You shouldn't. But now we're going to talk about Game of Thrones. Um so yeah, so you have and, and characters can go both ways. So you can start off with a really positive character who's very sunshiny and innocent and by the end of the media have them very um a narcissistic, <laughs> very, <laughs> very pessimistic towards the world, very like to themselves and have like a just a worse outlook on life. Or you could have good the other way. They have a terrible outlook on life. And by the end of the story, they have a great outlook on life. And you can do it with many things. The first one that comes to mind when you started asking about do characters need to stay the same? I thought of how I met your mother and how Barney in that show never changed. I think I've I, I've mentioned it before. And I think I said that he does change, but it's not a great change. Like they give him a season of change. And then by the very last episode of the show, they throw it out. Or maybe not. Like second to last episode of the show, they throw it out. Um, anyway, so if you don't know anything about How I Met Your Mother, so the, the show, again, shocker here. It's about how this guy found his mother. No, found his wife to his children. He's telling his children how he met their mother. Um, and in it, there's a character, Barney, who's a very like hypersexualized character and who's like all he does is he's a player, he's a pretty boy, he goes after the ladies, and that's like all he's known for. And so you'd think with that being his archetype and his main like character 
point personality that by the end of it he would change and settle down with somebody and get married or, or have, have children have a family doesn't really happen i mean kind of they kind of throw it in at the end that like oh now he has a child and that's about all the character development we have sorry spoiler alerts <laughs> he doesn't change much beyond that and that's interesting that you mentioned that though because that is a type of character like um i had to look up definitions i wasn't <clears throat> checking the script i swear um yes you were i'm I was trying Listen, to, I told you to be off book by now. We've been planning this know, for know, a month. I'm sorry. It's just, it's tough to find time to memorize lines. Um, but yeah, so that's a type of character and that, that's a foil who is the exact opposite mm -hmm. of your main uh, protagonist. So not necessarily an antagonist, but has the exact opposite qualities. So mm -hmm. where Ted is very much, I want to find a woman. I want to settle down. Mm -hmm. I want to have a family. Barney is the exact opposite. I just want to sleep around. I just want to have sex with as many women as possible. Mm -hmm. And um, that contrast creates conflict, which can uh, continue the story. And and foils, I mean, they can develop alongside the character, but they don't have to. And so I think that, that it's just a style of, of character that uh, fits within the narrative. I was going to say that's very interesting because I actually think both of those characters don't really change over the course of the show. I don't think anybody really, I mean, they do change by the end of it. But again, it's very like last minute and it's very not so much. Um, well, I'm thinking in the context of Game of Thrones, because that's what I wanted to talk about, where you have like that show. I mean, you can talk about it. You've seen the first eight episodes mm -hmm. of it so far. And just the the weight that that show carries and the conflict and the politics and the the drama and the murder, everything that's in it is so heavy. And so when you're dealing with content like that, the changes have to be drastic. Yeah. And so that's, I'm thinking in that mindset of some, of some of the characters that I want to talk about and where they start and where they end up. And then thinking back that, okay, characters in How I Met Your Mother then don't really change in comparison. I mean, they do, but in slower gradual and not as uh, drastic. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think it does have to do with the, the nature of the story because i mean how i met your mother is a sitcom it's a comedy it's yeah a, it's a situational comedy what makes it funny is that these characters are, are this, this way, way. Mm -hmm. um whereas game of thrones is a narrative story which which happens over the course of what is it eight nine seasons yeah um, i thought you gonna say years and i was like i don't know how many years it takes place i um, think it takes like two years or something <laughs> But yeah, so the, the 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 story has longer to develop those characters, but also it's a heavier tone. So when you see a character shift, um, it's one more noticeable, and two, it's just got more room than a situational comedy for that shift. Because what's a situational comedy if if they run out of situations? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Which yep. in sitcoms you can never do. You can never run out of situations. Mm -hmm. It's in vain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't run out of those. You know, that's another, going off topic real quickly. I was thinking about how we don't, how people do in, okay, so you think about sitcoms. I'm sorry, I love sitcoms. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we'll get to Game of Thrones, I promise. Mm -hmm. But the sitcoms that we watch or the sitcoms that I like are older. And I think because they encapsulate that time period in which they were made so well, so you think about Boy Meets World, which was made in like the early 90s or even like the late 80s. And then you have Friends, which was made in the 90s, closer to the 2000s. And you have um, The Office, early 2000s. They, they encapsulate those time periods so well in the way that they were filmed and the way the stories that they were telling that you see that sitcoms today, at least they don't grab my attention. 
or they come out as too cheesy. And I think that's because you have older generations trying to fit or trying to create stories in which they think the younger generations would like it without Uh the younger generations actually being the ones to create that media. Because the people who created Friends Actually, like that story was based off of their life. That was their time spent in New York huh. during that time period. That's interesting that you say that. I think that's true because think about like, I mean, a lot of cinema, a lot of television right now is all old people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily the people who live in these time periods. And so what they think of us. Yeah. What they see through like our like cultural like zeitgeist or everything like what they see through tiktok how they view tiktok in like this cheesy like kid way and like none of it makes sense and so when we write stories like none of it's really gonna make sense so they're just doing wacky stuff because they are wacky and they're mm-hmm. gen z but everything we do like has a purpose and to us is funny in its own way like, can you imagine if we like wrote a sitcom with all of the nuances that we talk about in like meme culture and in tiktoks and youtube and i mean in our like the way that we talk to each other is completely different than the way that older generations talk to each other and so when they try to create something for us it's like no that's not how we use that word actually like we use yeah. it in this context I'm trying to think of an example of that but i haven't picked up on any sitcoms at all no because they're not like good anymore i think the only one and one that's going around our friend group right now is abbott elementary mm. which i've not again i don't like following the trends so no, i haven't wait, watched it like six or seven years. yeah when nobody wants to watch it anymore then i'll binge it in two days <laughs> and i'll catch up and i'll Some, be fine somehow I'll do it somehow. Exactly. Anyway, sorry, that was a, did you want to say anything else about that topic? No, I'm fine. Okay, sorry. I just, I, I thought that was interesting. It and is I, interesting. I want to make a, a sitcom uh, very badly. Anyways, Game of Thrones. I'm going to spoil some things for you. So first, oh! I know it's going to be so good. Ah! Ah, it's going to be so good. Okay, I'm so excited. I'm not going to do any of the big spoilers. Like, th- no, there's some things. I think it's so funny. I'm sorry. I'm going off topic again. I swear I'll get there and I'll wrap it up quickly when I get there. I think it's so funny because it was my ex who introduced me into Game of Thrones and then I like fell in love with it and kept continued watching it over and over again. And I can't believe that he just sat idly by and let me watch this show without giving me any spoilers because watching you and Josh watch it, it's so difficult to not tell you what's going to happen. It's crazy because it is not what you think it's going to happen. Like, Anyways. It's so good. To, to preface, I've never followed Game of Thrones at all. Like I've, I, I wouldn't say I've avoided it, but I think that my parents were just like, "No Game of Thrones," no. and I was like, "Sure, whatever." I will say that I actively avoided it for a long time because it has that culture around it that it is just sex and gore, but there's so much more to it than that. There's so much heart in it. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, okay, so we're gonna talk about it. So if you don't know Game of Thrones, Thrones. um. Okay, Fron, sorry. Like, I just, I gotta be serious now, Taylor. I know we said it was a bit, but we gotta be serious now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you. I, got, I apologize. I, thank you. Anyways, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Think about other TV shows or movies we could do that with, and I thought the best one I could come up with was Breakfast Club. <laughs> Breakfast Club! It's <laughs> so good. Okay, so a Game of Thrones, a Game of Thrones, it was based off of a... a series written by George R. R. Martin, um, the trilogy, it's not a trilogy, whatever you call a book series, that's more than three, um, called A Song of Ice and Fire. And so the show was developed off of that and it tells the story of Westeros and what happens after their king 
dies and then everyone in the seven kingdoms is trying to vie for power and who is the rightful heir and the links that man would go to in order to find that power and that money and that love and lust and all of those kinds of things. It's such a human story. It's great. Anyways, I'm sorry, I'll stop. So I wanna talk about a couple of characters, those that change, I think, the most throughout the show. And so I think it's so funny. We're gonna talk about Sansa. So Sansa is the one of the, the second to youngest daughter in uh, House of Starks. And so Ned Stark is the dad and you have- the, And they're the good guys. The good guys. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, there's no good there's guys. There's no good guys. But these are the guys that I think that, especially in this, what I've watched, are the people we're supposed to be rooting, rooting for. for. This is their story and how they survive this Game of Thrones. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Um, and so Sansa, where we start off and what you've seen so far is her as this meek little child. I mean, you both. Sorry, Josh is in here as well. Have talked about how you like hate her because I hate she's her so much, so she's wimpy. Just like, she's such a little pick me girl. Yeah. She's like, oh please, Mister Prince Joffrey, please pick me over my sister. Please pick me. When is it going to be my turn to be the princess? Oh please, shut up. I genuinely, I hope she dies. That's great. Soon. Um. I don't think she's gonna now that you're bringing her up, but which makes me sad. I told you that I'd only talk about people who survive, and from that, you'll know who survives Game yeah. of Thrones. Anyways, Sansa, so she is, and watching it again, she's very annoying, and she has no idea of politics and the wit, the, the wit that is taken or that is needed in order to survive, the lies that need to be told, the double crossing that needs to happen. She knows none of it. She is the most innocent and basic child there is. And that doesn't change. And I won't say what causes her to change because that is a big spoiler. But in the, I think it's season four or season five, something drastic happens where her entire personality shifts within the course of three or four episodes. Mm. She and this is what I'm talking about. Is there such a drastic change as as much as like sitcoms? They do it slowly over situation after situation. And this show, as it is over the course of seasons, it is still a very concise story that I'm telling you only takes place probably over the course of two years or so. And so when this incident occurs, when this inciting incident happens, she is changed immediately. She has to learn that the world is a terrible place, is a scary place, and I need to wise up or I'm going to die. And like that's those are the options: either get good at it or die. Get good or die, scrub. No, that's that's literally what it is. And so by the end of it, you have her. I mean, she's gorgeous. You have her. The way that she's dressed as well at the beginning of the show is very much childish, and she's in like these clothes that are like long and princess and flowing. She's just the perfect. She has long, nice, curly hair. And by the end of it, she always has her like she's fierce, and she has a crown that she wears, and her clothes are always black and fitted and she's sophisticated, she is now the one calling the shots. Mm. And she is the one who's making all the decisions, having to usurp other people's power, having to be the one in charge because nobody's gonna make these choices. She has learned that if I don't make these choices, nobody else is going to make them for me. I have been pushed around my entire life. I will no longer. It's incredible. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's a fun... Um way to i mean tragedy is such a good way to develop mm -hmm. your characters like oh it's so great i love putting my characters through awful things that's all that happens in the show 
this is just one awful thing after another, after another, after. Nothing good ever <laughs> happens to these characters. Because trauma is such a good yeah. force of, of character. Mm-hmm. I mean, awful, awful thing to say. And hopefully no real person ever has to go through stuff like this. But for the purpose of narrative, um, trauma is a very, very powerful way to make your characters change instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Um I've used it in my stories. Um, you have used it in your mm-hmm. stories. Um, it's just, it, it's it's not like a cop-out necessarily. No, it's one of the like easiest forms to use for character development. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it, and it works and it works well. And it's and it's good because if, if framed correctly, um, it can incite empathy for characters or um, animosity for characters. It's all about how you frame it. Um, and that's just, it's, it's, ooh, ooh, it's so good. Yeah, I'm gonna do this one differently. Instead of explaining how the character is now and explaining how the character is then, I'll explain the then, but I want you to explain the now to me. So I'm gonna give you a character and you tell me how you see them now. <clears throat> Sorry, he yawned. I didn't. If you didn't catch that, no, I was, he tried to hide um, it. But it's not going to work it's, on this scripted show. I mean, he actually, went, let me let me let me pull up the script for you. Okay, go ahead. Taylor mm-hmm. covers face and yawns off to his left. The, the audience is right. Randy brings it up and makes fun of him for it. Taylor pulls out the script and reads this part of the script. Who's directing us? God. God directs us. You know what? You're right. You know what? And we're just going to move on. Thank you on. guys so much for turning. No. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. No, no, no. Give me okay. a character. Tyrion. You know who Tyrion Which is? Which one is Tyrion? Tyrion Lannister. The, the really short one. The, the oh, 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 oh. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I How think he's- his character now? He's, he's brilliant. He's excellent wit. Okay. Um, he's very, I wouldn't say manipulative as Mm -hmm. much as persuasive. Mm -hmm. Um, at least not that from what I've seen, Mm um, he's a, mm, it's interesting because for the first time in the episode that we just watched, we've seen him timid, which seems completely out of character for him. Um, it's when he's, he's up with his father and they're talking about something. Um, and it's the first time, like. He, like, because from what we've seen of him, he's so I, he always has something witty to say. But then with his in front of his father, he does not, and that tells you something about the character. Um, but yeah, something about both characters. Both characters, yeah. Um, and yeah, so he's quick witted. He's smart. He's not uh, very battle friendly, which is fair given his stature. Um. He likes to sleep around. He's non non-committal, I think is a good way to put it. But he's also got that weird, like the Lannisters always repay their debts. So it's a weird dichotomy of character where it's like, I have to repay my debts, but also I don't want to commit to anything, mm-hmm. which is really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's good writing. Oh, that's good. Um, it's a great show. Uh, yeah, I'm just, it. but I'd like to praise the specific part. Um yeah, I think that the, I think if I had to nail down like specific character points, it would be the wit um, and the weird non-committalness, uh, and his persuasiveness. I think would be the three main things. Okay, 
So like some of these are core. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about, so persuasive, he'll always be persuasive. Wit, he'll always use his wit to get out of situations because he gets himself into a tight bind mm-hmm. all the time. As for the the not committal and for the, um, what was the first one that you said? Oh, you said uh, as much as he's persuasive and intelligent, like, so from that, I'm getting that he's not a fighter. No. If he was put into a fight, he'd not know what to do. Yeah, and we've seen that. He, he'd rather talk his way out of a fight mm-hmm. than actually engage in mm-hmm. combat. Mm-hmm. That changes. Interesting. 100% that changes. And the timidness that he feels with his dad, that changes. Well, I'm sure that those two things have something to do with each other. They do. Um, and I, again, there's these very big... So for him, it takes a lot longer for his... I mean, he you can see these moments from season to season as he develops. He has constant trauma that follows him it isn't Mm -hmm. kind of like Sansa where she has one big aspect that completely like 180s her personality while Tyrion from season to season will have these little things affect him over and over again until he is forced to change and so there there is a, a situation that envelops with his dad and he learns to stand up to him and then you have he is not a fighter but is constantly finding himself on the battleground mm-hmm. and is again in a very serious way Whereas Sansa had to meet this like kind of emotional, like I have to change the way that I am acting with the world around me in order to survive. Tyrion is on the battlefield and is like, I cannot. The war is happening around me and it's either fight or die. And that ha- that does happen. We see that initially when um, he's with Mrs. Stark. I forget her name. Um, the lady of, of the House of Stark. I'm sorry, I forgot her name um, too. And they get ambushed by some people and he's like, cut me. He's like, What's, what use am I? Like, dead, mm-hmm. right? Um, so she cuts him loose and then he has an option to run to the horses or save her. And he chooses to save her by killing the man with a shield, um, which is this first moment of like, like, like uh, it's it's a sympathy moment for us mm-hmm. being like, he chose the right thing. That's the correct, the quote, correct thing to do. Um, but also, because like, he, he was choosing, rather than to flee and get back home safely, mm-hmm. he was choosing to willingly go to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we see that, and it was like, he'd rather save a life than, mm-hmm. than and go to prison than like just escape and with that guilty conscience. Um, which is an interesting moment. And I think that you're right. Small moments like this that add up are another mm-hmm. way to make your character develop. But eventually it, ha- it has to be like, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Something has to give that switch. And what gives that switch has to be um, obvious, right? So every other small thing can be like, it's a little little sprinkle there, and a little sprinkle there. And we might not pick up on it until we see that final obvious this is the thing that's going on that breaks the dam open Mm -hmm. and then out comes the development Mm -hmm. and i think it's funny he is you do see these moments and that moment will play itself over again and again so he has the option to again run or to to fight in a very real sense he also has this where you see all of the lannisters at this point are very much family oriented so you have Oh man, what's the the bitch that I hate? What's uh, Cersei? You see, all she cares about is her family and especially her kids. And then you have um, Jamie, who only cares about his sister and his brother and doesn't really, and his kids too. Um, but everybody in this Lannister family, like the biggest thing is a Lannister pays their debts and a Lannister looks out for other Lannisters. Like that is all you have. If you don't have family, you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And you see how that affects each character differently and this, the ways they go about keeping 
that motto and that in their lives. Whereas you see Tyrion eventually find out that, hey, my family isn't the best. And so I need to make a really hard decision about whether I'm going to keep supporting them or if I'm going to think of the bigger picture and help the realm from what is wrong. Mm. And so you see that, again, this character like go from, uh, I don't I want to use the, the analogy of fighter and a lover, but that's not the right. He goes from like non-confrontational to being able to stand up in battle. And he goes from very like inner, like he focused on himself and focused on his family to very much about like everybody around me. What I do impacts those around me. And I don't know if I necessarily like the way that I'm impacting other people. And that's interesting because you mentioned that. And then now hearing that and seeing <clears throat> the way that he acts amongst the first whatever episodes I've watched, mm-hmm. um, I can see that that shift is, I can see that that's where that shift is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and oh, writing is good. good see, that's writing. why, and you were upset about me talking about character development, whereas like a lot of the time you can predict where character is going. See, but until you had said that, mm-hmm. like I had no, oh, okay. no idea, mm-hmm. right? I just thought he was who he was. I, I mean, you can guess that characters will develop, but knowing exactly where they end up mm-hmm. is different. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that's a really fun... I mean, because think about the one amongst the family, Mm -hmm. the one outlier, and it is the man who Mm -hmm. who has been shat on from birth Mm -hmm. because he is a half man. Yeah. It's very smart. Oh, I had a bit going earlier, and I don't remember what it was. I was supposed to bring it back. Damn it. Yeah. Three times. We can check the script. Uh, Mm -hmm. You gotta look up the script. What was the what was my bit again? Don't ever look at Taylor's phone. Don't ever. Don't. I'm going to tell you right now. If you find him on the street, please take the phone out of his pocket and chuck it. Just get rid of it. I, what is that? <laughs> okay, we're talking about Game of Thrones. Can you please pay attention to talk about Game of Thrones? I want to kill you. I wanted to bring up another character, and then I thought we didn't have enough time, so I wasn't going to. No, we have enough time. I know, but also I don't want to bring up another cool. character now. I can talk about a different thing. Sure. Didn't sound like you had anything, but go ahead. I thought that's why you listen, listen, no, listen. I didn't mean to be mean. Honestly, <laughs> didn't mean to be mean. I set you up at the beginning. Rewind tape. I set you up at the beginning to talk about your shit and you declined. And so I thought the rest of the time was mine. And now you're going to come in and you're going to usurp me and you're going to start talking about your shit. It's all the Game of Thrones, it's baby. All part of the Game of Thrones. All part of the Game of Thrones. Okay, go ahead. Um, See, you don't have nothing. No, I do. Okay. It's not as interesting as Game of Thrones. Like genuinely. Game of Thrones is so good. I'm telling you out there, if you haven't watched it and you're not watching it because of the sex and the gore that's in it, trust me, I know it's bad. I'm watching it with two guys. I don't like it. But the yeah, story is phenomenal. That's yeah, a really good story. You are not, you, I can't get it into your skull that this is a great show. Absolutely. I mean, the juxtaposition at every single turn in every character and every plot line, it's, it all works together and it's beautiful. Phenomenal. Uh, I was going to talk about Phoenix Wright, um, which 
character development is weird because the Phoenix Wright is like a, it's called Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. And so you play um, as a lawyer who defends clients he believes to be not guilty. Uh, and so it's like there's two sort of sections to it. There's the information gathering where you go and you interview um, all of the witnesses, you interview all the people that might be brought to stand and you try to figure out what actually happened. And there's the actual trial room where you unravel the witnesses' lies uh, to prove that your client was not guilty. Um, and it's it's fun because, like, I mean, the character development is like, my, it's like a microcosm of character development because you you meet a witness and the witness will be, like, super cordial or something. Uh, and then you bring them onto the stand and you reveal their secrets. And then their whole thing is, like, they all have so over-the-top animations of them freaking out when you finally break down their lies and start like traveling down and telling the truth. Um, and it's just fun to watch those twists happen, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and to see how the character changes from being this altogether sort of uh, bellboy into this profusely sweating and like mm -hmm. he's like he like wiped his eyebrows off with a rag <laughs> or something uh it's just stuff like that it's, it's ridiculous and it's over the top there's one part where in one of the games you uh someone brought a parrot to the witness stand and you're inter you're inter interviewing you're cross-examining a parrot over what the parrot's saying um and then the parrot like squawks and stuff when you, it's just it's a ridiculous game it's really fun, though. The story is actually really fun. A lot of the, the mysteries are really good. Um, but it's a game that you can't play. It has no replay value because it's always going to be the same ending. Oh, um, that sucks. Yeah, and, and it's, unless you lose, in which case you get a different ending. But, like, the ending is you lose. Um, but I love games that have, like, so many different endings. Yeah, but you can't have that all the time, especially in, like, a mystery game, you know? They're very, uh, it's it's a newer thing to have mystery games have different endings mm. with Until Dawn and the Dark Anthology say, stuff. I was going to say, I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen it happen. So, yeah, it's just, it's 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 fun because you get, you get to unravel mm. them and you get to break them. Um, but there's not, I mean, character development itself, um, there's really only one character that I I've seen develop over the course of the games that I've played. I've played two out of the trilogy or there's more than just three, but the main three, I've only played two out of those three. Um, and that's the, the antagonist ish of the first game is the, is the prosecutor, uh, miles Edgeworth, um, who throughout the, 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 the process of the first, of first game is against you, uh, and trying to prove your clients guilty uh, as a prosecutor mm -hmm. does. Uh, and so he, his whole thing is like he has a perfect win streak. He had never lost until you, Phoenix Wright, come into the scene and start defending clients. And then he starts losing. And so he's like losing this sense of his perf his perfection. So when we first meet him, he's very much like, I am the best. Um, I'm the best prosecutor. I am the smartest. I'm better than you. I am. It's like the, the sort of like entitled kind of character. Mm -hmm. But over the course of the of the game, after he's lost, like, I don't know, three or four cases to you, he kind of like starts to dwindle and break down. Um, and he's like uh, until finally in the final mission of the first uh, Phoenix Wright game, he is the defendant. He is framed for murder and he actually pleads guilty. 
but you don't believe that as Phoenix Wright. And so you go and prove that he is in fact innocent. Oh, interesting. Um, so you are defending him this entire time. And then mm -hmm. through that, you find out that they had like a past together, which is kind of still muddled. Like, I don't even think I, I think they knew each other as kids and then maybe went to different law schools. But also Phoenix is like, seeing you doing law made me want to do law. And I'm like, but didn't you know each other? Or it was weird. Um, but yeah, so you see that development until finally he is framed for murder. He is framed to be no longer perfect. And because of the way that he feels about um, both the uh, new prosecutor, uh, the victim of the crime, and himself after losing so many of his, uh, of his battles, his perfect win streak, losing that, um, it instills this shift into him and he becomes timid he becomes quiet he stops um lashing out so much at uh phoenix right and and uh it, it is a fundamentally different character than who we see for the majority of the that first game and then in the second game he's gone he's not the prosecutor anymore he leaves he goes on some long sojourn around the world um and for the most of the first game or the second game rather you think that he's dead like they don't mention what happens. And every time someone tries to mention where Edgeworth went, Phoenix Wright shuts it down. Um, and it's just oh, it's really fun because they're they're very gay. They're very gay for each other, but they won't admit it. It's very fun. He, but he's gone and you, and you don't see him at all. And you've got this new prosecutor who has this perfect win streak. Everyone has to have a perfect win streak, apparently. And now you're beating this new prosecutor and blah, 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 blah. But then Edgeworth shows back up as this, this uh, again, a different character, more sure of himself again, um, but less of an antagonist and more of a friend. And so that juxtaposition between the two Edgeworths that we see is super interesting to me as a writer because you get to see this like, because Phoenix Wright himself doesn't change. He's very much a foil in nature. Not a foil. He's very much a static character in nature. Because he is always fighting for what's right. He's always going to protect those in, in need. Um, whereas his foil, his his who is the person that is fundamentally opposite from him, is the person who changes. And you don't see that often in narrative. You don't often see the protagonist staying the same the entire time with the with the antagonist being the one who changes. And that's a really, really fun um, enemies to lovers trope that I like uh, that I think fits well within the narrative of Phoenix, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. no, I think it's interesting. I'm trying to nail down like what kind of like character development that is because we kind of talked about like some like trauma or something drastic happening that can change a character and then having little instances happen over time that ultimately change a character and there is something that like breaks the camel's back. But then is there a different way in kind of like what you're describing that changes a character in that it's just kind of coming to the realization that like having a new perspective, somebody like it's it, it is conflict and it is like being defeated. I mean, because he's constantly being defeated by the the Phoenix, right? Yeah, the main guy. But also it also feels like he's coming to this realization on his own that like, oh, I am I'm not perfect. And I have and like this just realizing who he really is yeah and when you see him in the first game when he's framed for murder he's very depressed mm -hmm. super sad and, and very very melancholy which is a complete contrast to the argumentative and the very um obtuse and and i know better than you kind like his main 
his main animation is tapping his forehead because he's like, I'm smarter than you. Mm. Um, and, and it's a complete contrast from that character. And it's I think it's a bit of both of the first two where it's like these small instances are adding up. But then this moment of trauma, this moment of realization that causes this paradigm shift for him. Mm. And it's just. Oh, I mean, I just I just like it a lot. I think it's a, a very interesting character study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that it goes from enemies to lovers. Enemies to lovers. I mean, they're not actually, I don't think they're canonically in love. Oh, you said it like they were canonically in love. No, everyone just knows that they are. They, it just, it's inferred. It's very much a thing. They're not, they're not canonically like marrying each other or anything, but they have very homoerotic tensions. If you saw some of the dialogue, you would agree. <laughs> you would agree. Okay. Um, but yeah, let me let me pull up the script and see where I'm at. Yeah. I'm sorry, you you're forgetting. But who did we say our director was? God. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Thought it was a funnier joke than that. <laughs> That's what we need, is we need our director to shout our lines back at us. <laughs> I would like mm. the the audience to know that he is in fact not looking up the script and is staring at I don't know what that's called a fried is, isn't it like some kind of like virtually fried meme <laughs> of a car and says oh yeah this is definitely a <laughs> Honda Civic moment. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing anything after that. So um, did the writer just stop? Yeah, I guess he just stopped. What, uh, I guess we are supposed to come up with the rest. It. Um, but yeah, I mean, character. What <laughs> development. does he expect us to do? Like riff off of each other or something? Like improv? Um, character development is is important in story. No one wants to be a part of a story where nobody changes and it's just the same people the entire time. I mean, sitcoms. We literally just said that. <laughs> you look at the script again. <laughs> well, it depends on the story that you're telling. So if you're telling, I think when it comes to telling a really two heart story, a very human story, a very personal story, you're going to need conflict and you're going to need character development. I mean, that's what we do as people, as we, we develop. I think it's so funny when I was in middle school, me and my friend, it's, it, it's interesting how story has followed me everywhere and go figure our lives are stories. I mean, that's what we are. That's what we gravitate towards. That's what we implement and that's what we create. But we've always used those terms to describe our life. So if somebody suddenly did something that was completely out of their character, out of their personality, somebody in the group would yell character development. And so I still use that in my life when people are going through a hard time. But think the character development. <laughs> think of it. Like this, this is your main character moment. You see it again in like in social media. This is this is we are the story. This is your main character moment. And so I think when you're telling really like two heartfelt human stories like Game of Thrones, because it, that's what it is. I mean, it's humanity pushed to its limits. And how far would you go for family, fame, glory, money? And then you have like sitcoms and both are equal in their own rights. That 
sitcoms don't need that heavy toll. I mean, you're supposed to go there for escapism. So you just want a laugh. And so in that, characters will stay relatively the same because that's why you watch it. You watch it for those specific archetypes and those characters. Yeah, what well, you very very well put. It's almost like someone wrote it out beforehand. It's, yeah, it's almost like I'm reading from a script or something. Real quick. Um Thank you so much for joining us on this intellectual journey. And we um zoom in. Uh we uh we'll we'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye. That's a good script. That was really good. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad that I wrote that out. Because yeah. You wrote it? Yeah, I wrote it, of course. Uh, I am God. Did you not know that? <laughs> Couldn't do it.